Okay, you guys, let's do this. It's gonna be so professional. Like, so professional. Here we go. Welcome to the Live Support Podcast with your host, Michelle Van Dusen and June Colson, a couple of clean comedians who support each other and others through comedy's wacky and whining roads. I hope you're ready. Kids set. Let's go. Since podcasts have a catchy tune, we wrote this song for Michelle and June. Clean comedians are best friends too. Oh, it's so good. And you never know what they'll say or do. Here we go, sing with me. I'm support, or support. With Michelle, who's really short. We'll have a ball, ball, ball. With June, who's really tall. They have fun, fun, fun. Interviewing comedians. I'm not support, or support. With Michelle, who's really short. Support podcast brought to you by the Hot Breath Comedy Network. Wow, you're so Welcome to the award-winning <laughs> Laugh Support Podcast. I'm your host, June Colson. Most people call me June Bug. Here with my best friend Michelle with one L, Trisha's sister, Rhonda Colson, Corey's friend, Michelle Van Dusen. How you doing, Michelle? I am well. How are you today? What what what's going on? Hi, I am super excited. Um, so anybody who's been following us and listening to the podcast and watching us on YouTube and the Creative Motion Network and all of those know that we've been starting the show um, with random things that I've found going through my mother's stuff with my dad. Yes. And and we've had we've had Miss Piggy, the cup, and we've had um this this weird hat we discovered last week that this uh, is a hat for my mom. I'm just I, putting this back yeah, out. Yeah, but you, but your mom, your mom's is a normal hat you can wear. My mom's I don't I don't know. So we have the Cracker Jack box hat. So I've been sharing a lot, Michelle, but today Today, really quick before we get started, I want you to share just more evidence of the fact that you love this cat, Mr. Fox. I don't care how many episodes you deny it. I don't care how many times you say you can't wait for this cat to be gone. You show everyone right now the picture you sent me today. You show that picture, Michelle. Don't make me come over there. There it is. This is Mr. Fox. In a pig hat for our listeners. <laughs> Mr. Fox looks like he is snuggled up in a blanket. Are you hold you're holding him? You are yes, holding that's fair. Mich- <laughs> Michelle. That I didn't notice that before. You are holding so, that cat like a baby. Yes, yes, because okay, this is a kitten. All right. This is a kitten, and he's just a couple months old. And uh-huh. my son found him in our backyard. And he was um, it was a thunderstorm. Uh-huh. And he was freezing and cold, and he was just a little bit, a little bit thing, like maybe, maybe a month old, maybe six weeks. And so he found him, he brought him in, he's been taking care of him, he took him to the vet, made sure everything was okay. And um, so he, because he didn't have his family, he, he still needs to snuggle. So I don't like his nails, because he doesn't uh-huh. understand the power of his paws yet. Yeah. So, um, which is a cup. Co- a comedy term, power of the pause. Um, anyway, so <laughs> but, I see what you did there. That was perfect, yeah. Michelle. Perfect. But he um I so I wrapped him up in a blanket and I held him and he was purring like you would not mm-hmm. believe, like mm-hmm. loud purring, which means he's very happy. But then he mm-hmm. also he was he was sucking on the blanket. I'm like, ugh. And that's a sign of 
of cats that have pleasure and that they were separated too early. Mm -hmm. And um, anyway, so he was sound asleep. And that was the only way I was ever going to get that hat on him. Because I do, I am exploiting him until he does go to college Mm -hmm. with my son. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you want to check out my Instagram, (laughs) um, there's a bunch of videos. And I do have different toys. So this is his microphone. Yes. Um, You know, so if you want to see him singing some songs. And then we... (laughs) My husband and I were at Walmart <laughs> and we were, we were in the, the cat uh, dog aisle uh-huh, uh-huh. and um, we came across these and technically this is a dog toy. Yes. You know, <laughs> so my, my husband checked all of the squeakers on all of the chickens and we picked this one because we thought this is great because we're going to get the cat used to it. And then he's going to go to college. And at the middle of the night sometime, he'll be like, Rrr! you know, and wake up my son. We thought this would be so much fun. Uh-huh. But apparently what this is, is this is a <gasps> don't get on the counter because that thing is there. So this is a great deterrent. So I oh have my gosh. on my desk. So when the cat does come in here, he can sit next to me. Mm-hmm. He can play on the stuff behind me. I hear you, but- Michelle. Oh, he can but, sit next to you. He has a bed behind you. You have now bought him yeah. more things than you've bought your boys, your four sons. In the last two years, you've bought more toys for them than you have your boys their entire life. But tell us one more time, Michelle. Do you love that cat, Michelle? No. No. You're lying. I, You're lying. I love You're my lying. son. I love my son enough to have a cat in my house. So I can't even deal with it. But I'm gonna um, give you a break because it's your birthday. Okay, so so when this episode airs, month. it'll it'll be your birthday month. The month but of hang September. On, one more picture of him. Isn't he cute? Oh, he's so cute. He's so cute. Okay, go ahead. So the so some people claim the whole month, right? I can do I personally can do that because my name is June. I can claim a whole month. It may, it makes me anxious, you know, because it constantly leading up to June, like in May mm-hmm. when people are making plans, I hear people whispering my name in different places, but they're not talking about me, they're talking about the month. So I've always been like, I can have a whole birthday month because it's my month. Mm-hmm. But yeah. here's the deal, Pickle. Mm-hmm. This is what I just discovered. Yeah. My husband, if I claim June, my husband can claim the Jason months. Yeah. Did you know before I told you that there were Jason months? Had no idea, but okay, this is so, amazing. So for our listeners, Jason month, my husband is now in the Jason months. It's July, J, August, A, September. S October and November Jason months. So I had I had the edge on him for a little bit, <laughs> but now yeah. I, but now I don't. But speaking of Jasons, let's talk about who's on the show today. Let's see if he knew about the Jason months. Okay, so our guest today is the man behind the mysteries of Illusion Magic show. Okay, according to Lindsay G, his shows are incredible, magical, and the perfect date night. He has a superb card manipulation. He's the master of sleight of hand. Let's welcome to the Laugh Support Podcast, Jason Michaels. Oh, wait, but but there's more. There's more. We have a twofer. Yes. Our second guest today has been a professional magician for over 40 years. He is an international brotherhood of magicians champion, a two-time comedy award winner, an International Brotherhood of Magicians first place close-up award winner. He's worked in a variety of venues, theaters, comedy clubs, churches, and corporate functions. Let's welcome to the Laugh Support Podcast, Nate's dad, Stephen Borgetzi. Right. There it is. 
Yes, both of them. How are you guys? Well, first, I've got a bone to pick. Uh-oh. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. This is my cat that went missing two months ago. <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't seen it. And for me to bring me on here and to show me my kitten with a pig hat on, I'm I'm hurt. I don't think he is living his best life. So for our listeners, if you're not watching the podcast, Stephen just showed us a cat, a photo of a cat that looks just like Mr. Fox. And and Michelle Michelle mysteriously, this cat mysteriously just showed up. They didn't they didn't adopt this cat. They didn't buy this cat. They just acquired this cat, Stephen. So you may be onto something, my friend. One thousand (laughs) percent. Well, this break is with a pig hat. I mean, that's the worst part. I mean, I can let it go, but that I can't let go. It's going to be tough. This interview may only be with Jason today. Well, that's what we like to do for our guests. We usually start off by offending them as much as we possibly can. So we've taken care of that for Stephen. Jason, did you know about the Jason months? Had you heard you know of it? As a Jason, I I did know about the Jason ones. It's I I remember sitting in uh, like some some I don't know I don't know third fourth fifth grade and I looked up at the calendar one day and I just noticed that it spelled out Jason. I was like, Boy, what? What? And it's like that is awesome. So yeah 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 yeah. What count? I don't know. Like if you look at if you look at the calendar <laughs> and you look at the months: January, February, March, April, May, June, June, August, September, October, November. Jason. The first letter the first of letter. each month spells the name. July, yes, July, August. Yeah, you've got to have a dictionary somewhere that somewhere where you add up some letters. I have Stephen Bain. <laughs> yes, yes. Stephen would be like September tomorrow every day. Yeah, like that's what Stephen would be. Right. He just covers it all. I think that's Jason Bain. It's a stretch. I think this Jason just low-key um, insulted my husband by saying he's so much smarter than him because my husband's about to turn 50 and this this was the first he had ever heard of it. So clearly he was not paying attention to the calendar or probably anything yeah. else in maybe, school. Maybe so. I was just paying attention to something I shouldn't have been paying attention to in class. I was obviously wasn't paying attention to the teacher. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, okay. So, so guys, welcome to Laugh Support. Um, I am super excited to have two magicians on our show today. I have had the, um, I've been extremely fortunate to be able to do a show with Jason. And I have been very fortunate to be able to hire Stephen to come do a show in my hometown. And so I personally, Michelle, have been able to see how both of these gentlemen, um, use their amazing skill uh, in magic and also incorporate comedy and humor in that. So Jason, we'll, we'll start with you real quick and just, um, just tell us, is that something you've, you've always done with your magic? Have you always had a humorous side to the show or, or were you the David Copperfield of like super serious and drama or, or <laughs> you or, just nailed it. Did I? I okay, good. Tell us. David Copperfield for the longest time when you get into magic and you grew up during the time that I grew up, you grew up watching David Copperfield mm-hmm. specials. And all I wanted to do was be as cool as that guy was. And so I, I, you know, I actually started as a stage performer. So I was, I was, I was more comfortable um, on bigger stages. And I was, I was trying to be David Copperfield. But what's interesting about David Copperfield is David Copperfield has a style of comedy all his own. Uh, Cause we've talked about this before where, 
um i don't even know how you how do you describe what that style of comedy is it's it's um golly it's extremely commercial it's the type of comedy that that you just you just know that when he delivers he's always going to get a laugh every single time it's mm. it's very solid there's not and this is not this is being 100 respectful but it, it is not it does not have like an edgy point of view at all mm. it's it's the type of comedy that is that you know is going to play uh, across the room for young and old and everybody's going to laugh and i that's the type of humor that i started with where it was if, if i if anybody ever called me funny which i don't think they did it was because i was doing humor like that yeah i we I, I used to tell jason yeah you're david copperfield funny. yeah he actually did used to say that but which uh because i mean if you go see his show and he's the only show you're seeing you're going to laugh oh yeah but mm. if you put him in a lineup a bunch of other comedians you would think why was he up there mm. uh, he doesn't belong uh, and but part of it's just fame and uh is but also it's just like it is david it's easy you know to be a little bit of funny but there's a uh i don't know if this is really true i always heard it was true and i i believe it's true but i know in the early i think it was maybe in the 90s uh 1990s or so copyright was traveling there was a lady in this front row that in the very front row that had a pair of binoculars looking at him and he kind of made notice of it and he said has her to come up he takes them and he puts them on and stares back at her and he'd go how does that make you feel mm. and everybody laughed well rumors are and i i've seen it happen more than once so i i believe this that he hired a lady to travel with his show mm. after the, the first time it happened by just so happened it happened mm -hmm. like he had so little laughs and he realizes how important laughs are I don't care what I mean. He is that serious guy, but even he knows. Oh yeah. You want humor in your show. Oh, Everybody absolutely. Does. Yeah. If you ever see a show, yeah. you're gonna laugh a lot. So he wanted. He was willing to pay a salary of a person to travel and to just sit in the front row with a pair of binoculars and stare at him. So he knew every night he can get that laugh. That's so, can I can I get I, that I job? Hire someone to travel with me. <laughs> I didn't have that much money. <laughs> No. So no binocular lady in your all's front rows. No, not doing it. But he did just get engaged, so we don't know what's going to happen there. If we hear some strange lady laughing, we go, ah, that's why he's engaged. Yeah, that's why I, I got engaged so that I, yeah, exactly, so that I could have somebody come to my show and 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 laugh for me. Absolutely. Yeah, but and my lovely assistant. Oh, yeah. you don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> no. So is that um is that considered polished um? magic comedies like because that because you said you weren't sure what the term would be would that be polished like the carbon cutout kind of know, thing? I mean, no only because there's so many great comic uh comedian magicians uh you know there's a guy named david williamson funniest guy in magic and and uh mike king and uh, uh mason jonathan you probably, maybe y'all might have more of your audience might have heard of him. And those guys show. kind of specialize more specifically in comedy magic. Yeah. So if you're going to see one of their shows, you should expect to laugh. You, like, you know that you're going to laugh as much as you're going to be amazed by the magic. Mm. When David Copperfield is funny, you're when, when David Copperfield does a show, you're really going to see spectacular illusions. Right. And then the laughter is it's, part of yeah. it. But it's nothing. The, and again, the laughter is never going to be like a comedy club laugh. Never, yeah. you're never going to lose it. You're going to go, oh my God, stop, stop. Where 
with uh, Amazing Jonathan, I mean, I, I almost peed my pants at one of his shows. One time. <laughs> I to get up and pee. It's like, stop, I got to leave. And uh, Mike King and all of them, when you leave their show, you're worn out from laughing. And mm. then, and you, and that's just what I always, I, growing up myself, I never wanted, to, I wanted to be funny. I knew I had to be funny. I didn't like, Jonathan made fun of magic. Carl Ballantyne, one of the old time greats, made fun of magic. And where none of his tricks worked and everything like that. And and it was fun, very funny, but he didn't really do magic. Right. And I always said I wanted to be funny like that, but I wanted people too when they go home go, but you know, but how do he was how do you do that? Yeah. You know, I, I wanted that mystery of magic. So so I always thought I think Matt King does that really well, and so does uh Copperfield. And it's funny, this is the reason why we kind of got Jason here, because when I met Jason, Jason was so not funny. Nope. And uh, mm-hmm. but he, but Jason is was Copperfield. Mm-hmm. He had the very specific, what do you call it? Specific or sophisticated, sophisticated okay. show. Very nice and polished. Okay. Everything's awesome. And uh, when I do magic, it's like it's like I don't even think this guy knows what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, you know. Yes. Yes. Yeah. He's just like I don't think anything's going to work. And at the end, it all works. And then yeah. you know, like, go, okay, I'll be really, I'll get taken on a trip. But Jason was just the opposite. But I kept telling him, "You need that. We need to get some comedy in there." So this is what that, this is what would be good about this podcast. He that was very painful, by the way. <laughs> I, I, came, bet. I came from a theatrical background. I was trying to create a theatrical show. I had an actor's background, and so what I would do is I would write a script, and I would learn the script, and I would deliver the script. And it took Stephen saying to me. The one one of one of Stephen's great qualities is he's as about as persistent a person that you'll mm. ever meet. And he just kept saying, You have to have more comedy, you have to have more comedy. And and hanging around with him and seeing Stephen's show, it became obvious that the type of comedy that I needed to incorporate into my show was comedy that was very specific to me, whether it's just my my style of humor or mm-hmm. my point of view or whatever. And so that was uh, like, it, it's hard to hear that when you think that you've got this great show. And But the point was always understood that the more you make somebody laugh, if you, you can wow them with wonderful magic and they will be entertained, mm-hmm. but the more you can make them laugh, it's just like, you're just putting layer of mm-hmm. on layer of layer on top. So there's just mm-hmm. more and more entertaining. Right. So our last interview with, was with a comedian who's in Branson, Missouri, and his name is Joey ILO, fantastic comedian. And one of the things that we talked about was having a mentor and somebody in your corner that can say that honest stuff to you, that you can take that from because you have that level of respect for them and you know that they have that love for you and everything that they're telling you is it's because they want to see you win. They want to yeah. see you grow and go. And and when I hear that, I it, 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 literally it feels like I'm we're looking at the laugh support that, that you had, Jason was in Steven. And I know that, I know, you know, I haven't known Steven very long and I was really blessed to, to meet him actually in the same place that I met you. Our friend, um, Ashley Corby was, was doing an event at, um, a brew house in, in Nashville. And, and I went and watched the, the show previous to the one I was going to be on, because if I can go see what like the environment looks like and, and what the vibe's going to be. And this was right as uh, 2020 Nashville was just now starting to have some people come out and do shows and those kind of things. But I got to see both of you all 
perform in the in the same environment right. and incorporate humor in a time that people were kind of thawing out from this cold freeze of life that we had been in. <laughs> and Jason, I want to tell you that you know, at that show, it was Stephen's wife. Oh my gosh, Michelle, Stephen's wife came to my, she came to my rescue because it was mm -hmm. one of those where like the bar, the brewery, whatever, they wanted comedy, but they really didn't tell anybody that we no. were doing. Oh, this. No. Oh, so they no. were like, there were women at the bar. They were completely wasted. They're talking, they're amping up, getting louder and louder. They're, you know, they're doing their thing. It was a tough environment, <laughs> but, and so we can leave gigs like that and feel like, man, that was, awful, you know, yeah. gosh, how did I, you know, whatever, I didn't accomplish anything today. But that night, it's just so cool to have you on the show today. That night that that you and I did that show together, I had a friend named Sheila who was there and she had been through mm. it during COVID and she had a lot of loss. She had a broken heart. And that was the first time she really was brave enough to even venture out of her home and go anywhere. And you brought her on stage and she it. was part of the show, which I think is such a cool thing uh, because it's no longer somebody watching something. They get to participate and have a personal real experience in what happened that day. And and I just want to tell you that like she, she posted about it. I took pictures of her up there. Cool. It was a huge night for her. And we could have looked in that room and went, okay, these ladies talked over me the whole time. There was, you know, a mom drinking with her two-year-old kid beside her, something like there was a child <laughs> and we play, and I just played around with the kid a little bit, you know, and Ashley acknowledged that the child was sitting there and we had a little fun with it. But a night like that, you, you were the support for someone you didn't even know. And I'm guessing that, that more than once you've had an experience where somebody had said that they really needed what you brought to the table. And well, Thank you. Thanks for sharing that with me. Uh, I, I do saying that I do remember I do remember meeting her and, and her telling me that she had had a really difficult yeah. time. Um, that's why we do what we do, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you said I, I, I you said that you, we were chatting. Uh, we were earlier and, and you said that you felt as though God told you to go out and do comedy. Well, mm -hmm. um, my story is that I stood on stage as a 16 year old and I felt I, I got a role in a school play and I felt like I was in the place that I was meant to be. And it's a kind of a very long story, which we're not, I'm not going to get into like this long drawn out story, but the point is that I do believe in my fiber, in my core, that I am, that I am built to do exactly what I'm doing right now. And so mm -hmm. when I step up on stage, it's it's my opportunity to share share the talents, share the gifts, mm -hmm. share the blessings that you've been given so that you can bless other people. That I a hundred percent believe that. And I I try, whether it's 250 people that are an amazing audience or whether it's six people in a tough environment, I try to give my best every yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could definitely tell that you didn't you didn't change anything up. You didn't you didn't dismiss the people that were in the room and paying attention. You, I, I feel like what I, I saw you do, you would have done that in a room full of ten people or ten thousand. Like it was the you know, you were just giving what you had, and and we had a great time. We we scooted up to the front row and enjoyed, and I got to see see somebody being blessed by that. So so yeah, so I want to thank you for that. And then Stephen, Stephen, you. <laughs> Yeah, I got to I got to hire Stephen. He came to my hometown. 
mm-hmm. here in Bowling Green, my husband had had a 27 year uh, career in the fire service. And Stephen came and entertained. Basically, we just invited police, fire, EMS, friends, family to come. And, and, and that's how he ended his fire career was with laughter and fun. And Steve, <laughs> Stephen, you got a plunger stuck to the head of a firefighter. Does that happen often? <laughs> you know, and the, the plunger thing is, it, it goes right back to what I was trying to, and it's really funny, mentoring, and me and Jason put had a show together, it was called The Mentor, and it was, it was a great concept, we did it for a while, where they introduced the world's greatest magician, and we both come running out, <laughs> and uh, kind of going like, oh, I thought, oh, I'm sorry, no, 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 it's you, no, it's probably you and everything and then we went off and then and i said and he would go off and i would just tell his story and and instead of me telling mine i told his and then and and great and i would say he needs this you know he's he, really crowded then then i'd introduce him they all go wild he'd come out and he'd tell my story and he'd say like he's old he's, he's about done he really needs this <laughs> <laughs> and it's like I think I'm mentoring him and he thinks he's mentoring me. And, and then at the end, we finally figure out that, that we worked. It was a great, it was, it was fun. It, it, was, fun. it was a fun show. My mentor was not funny. He was funny off to the side, but his show, Tom Hart, Tommy was not funny. Uh, but he pushed me to be funny and to do crazy things. Cause he knew he could dare me and I would do anything. Yes. And uh, I got an award yesterday in front of 500 police officers for some stuff for my talk that I do to schools about anti-drugs and alcohol, don't drink. And it's a beautiful award. And a friend of mine, he, there was a microphone there. He goes, I dare you to go say something. <laughs> I can't do that. And nobody else got, everybody, there seven people. Nobody went and talked. But I go, oh, yeah, yeah. So I went over <laughs> So I went over and I go, I, I'm, apparently I said, I'm the only one here that's not a police officer getting this award. And so I'd like for y'all to look at this face. So if you ever pull me over, I appreciate just a warning. <laughs> <laughs> but I wouldn't have not done it if you had. A, you can't dare me do stuff because I, I, I'm going to go. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll do it. Yeah. But uh, so, so that's what. It's just really funny how it works. Where I'm, I know more, way more to help him than my guy knew to help me. Uh, but the plunger thing would make, and I know I'm off on the rabbit trail here it's all good but, uh, on uh on the plunger the, uh, i get, can't tell you how many people tell me i was at that show well you did a plunger on this guy's head and it got stuck uh-huh. do you remember that well let me tell you the plunger gets stuck every night mm-hmm. every <laughs> night but the, the the great thing about that is the ability to make people think that they're seeing something that just happened that one night. Yes. And yeah. that's the true art of comedy when you can do it. I mean, Junebug, I, and unfortunately I have not seen you perform, but I've seen Junebug several times. Junebug has, just look at her eyes. I mean, come on, everybody, every family, we all know somebody like that. We all have somebody in our family like her, talks a little too loud, too much, and, you know, and stuff like that. And, and, uh, that's her. And we're all proud of her, but sometimes we no, they're not all proud of. We all go, oh yeah, that's good. From a distance, (laughs) there she is. She's probably got chicken in her pocket. She'd uh, probably try. She'd probably try the plunger thing with a used plunger. I'm hoping that you're using a new one. That mine was new. I'll get this one. 
But you know, it's just that relatability. So what the plunger routine relates to people. And I'm yeah. putting a plunger on somebody's head. Yes. And I'm actually sucking the thought out of this guy's head into <laughs> this guy. And this guy okay. and, and again, this is a fine art of comedy for me That's and so music because now because I'm getting a lot of laughs off this guy who who is uh who's bald or at least mm -hmm. has a pretty good ball spot so I can get it to stick. But so in order to do that, a couple things happened. One, I'd like to meet the guy. I don't come out and go, hey, I'm going to use fucking plunger on your head. <laughs> I'm, I'm, but I'm going to show him a little trick or talk to him, maybe say a joke to see if I can tell, can this guy take it? If I can't see him, then I'm going to watch him from the wings. I'm going to see if they're laughing. Mm -hmm. You know, and I use people to come up. I want somebody. I don't want the little old lady. I like, oh, I want, this is a, getting harder and harder. I want to pick on ladies that's older than me. It doesn't look like I'm trying to pick up a woman. You know, I want her to have fun yeah. and not look like I'm getting on your date. Yes. And that's becoming harder and harder. But, uh, but, so, uh, but I look through the curtain. I don't look for the little old lady or somebody that's sitting here with the arms folded or anything like right. that. I don't look for the couples that sit. I want the lady that's up and talking to people. And, and everybody's coming over and shaking her hand going, hey, you know, like patting her on the shoulder because I want a June bug. I want that girl to come up because because she's already kind of not you know I don't want her to be too outgoing to right show but I want her to be comfortable and feel good about coming up and helping them so and that's the same thing with the bald guy I want to see a guy talking and he's and he's talking around with his buddies anything like that I don't want the guy wearing the ball, the hat necessary that just takes it off and I see that he's bald because if he's wearing a hat he might be sensitive about it right mm -hmm. so I don't want to do that to him unless i've met him already and i know that he's okay or whatever but so i get him up and he, i make them he reads this guy's mind the other guys a lot of jokes are happening on him and that mm -hmm. but the audience doesn't know how he did it that guy doesn't know how he did it the only one that knows how he does it is me and him so mm -hmm. he's got the power mm -hmm. he can do what he said once he can go out and go, yeah, this is how he did it, you know. Or he can go, yeah, I can read your mind. You better look out. Right. <laughs> I know what thinking. And that's what 90% of them do. You know, they just always go, yeah, yeah, I can do this and stuff. So I make them, and June said this a minute ago, I make them part of the show. Yes. I'm not making fun of them. They actually felt like they were part, they were performing that night. And they did something that nobody else knows how they did it. So when mm -hmm. they leave the stage, even though we had some laughs about their head because that thing got stuck on their head, mm -hmm. they get stuck three times. And uh, but it does. Uh, <laughs> that also brings up my biggest pet peeve in the world with comedians is I hate the fake laugh. I hate the comedian <laughs> that gets up there and tries to laugh at their own joke or yeah. laugh yeah. when it's not real. Yeah. And, you know, I know y'all can't see me, but hold the belly and stuff like that. Don't fake laugh on me, uh, but I know that you got it. We do have to fake laugh. Sometimes Nathan laughs at his lot of his jokes and stuff, and and I have I laughed during that plunger. But I tell you, that was the hardest. The whole part of all my magic was for me to to finally win that fake laugh. To finally get it where I can make it look like that happened. It's happening for the first time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and I will tell you when it like what what was perfect is Stephen picked people out of the audience, and then and I know that he's he's calculating who he's picking out and all of that stuff. But also at that night, I knew everybody in that room, 
And I knew who he was pulling up and just how special it was for the particular people. Like the guy that he happened to pull up, you know, he, he had the guest of honor. My husband was mm. on the stage there. Right. So obviously <laughs> he chose to put him in and had figured out that Jason would be game for something like that. But the guy that he put in the seat behind him was one of Jason's best friends who had retired several years before him, like was one of Jason's most supportive people on the fire department. And Stephen didn't know that, but it's how God kind of worked it out that that night, that was the guy in the seat behind him. And that was an experience that got to close out this amazing career that, you know, that, that my husband had as, as he was leaving this. So, so it, that was, that was really awesome. But the laugh when he was trying to pull that plunger off Mark's head, like full on, like you believe that it was cracking Steven up. You believe that it was like this, it went wrong. Like it went way wrong this time. Right. Like, and, and it was, it was so believable. So I get, I totally get what you're saying yeah. about, well, about that. You keep bringing up good points. I, 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 Jason has, I want to hear more from Jason on how, how to learn to be funny. But uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, we can write that book. We can all get rich. Oh wow! But, uh, wow. I do. I pray before every show. I'm a believer. Mm -hmm. I believe in and uh, God. I believe in Christ died for my sins, and so because of that, I believe that He is in control. And so I honestly pray that I don't offend people. Yeah. That everybody's going. You know, I pray, Lord make them like me and uh, get me because I'm harsh. Uh, I mean, I'm not a nice guy. Yeah. You know? I mean, I'm kind of, I make fun of myself, but I make fun of a lot of people. And so they just have to take me right. If you take me right, we're all going to have a good time. Just go on the ride with me. But I have to, I pray for that to happen. And I pray for that I get these right people. I yes. can't tell you how many times I hear that, oh, you just got the perfect person or you got the person. Mm -hmm. And I know part of it is you, you get, you get pretty good at picking people and you get pretty good on making people good. But I also know that he has something to do with it too. Absolutely. He gives me the right people. I just kind of see them and go, oh, you're the one. It's yeah. very rarely that I change. And that's been the hardest thing with me for Nate, opening it up for my son, Nathan. Because I've gone from doing an hour and 10 minute show to doing 12 minutes, the 15 at the most. And uh, so I don't have that time to make them like me. You, you know, <laughs> right, right. I, no. I, yeah, because I do, because I start off in my real show, I start off, kind. I kind of build up to being mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I, I mean, I kind of uh, okay. By the end, I can call you. I can call you any name I want, and you're going to laugh at me. Yes. But if to come out real fast and have to do that, it is it is different. Plus, the demographic of Nathan's audience is different than what mm. I do. You know, my audience is growing up with me. We're all we're all used to Don Rickles. We all know who he is. We all know we can laugh and I can make fun of your mom or you. And you know, I'm not I'm not making fun of you. We're right. Fun. Well, the young kids today, they don't know that. They just, yeah. they forgive yeah. me because I'm Nate's dad. They kind of go. Yeah. Now, some of our listeners might not know who Nate is. So do you want to explain who, who he is? <laughs> Shame on them. Do you want to <laughs> give like a, just a little snippet of who this guy is that you keep well, talking you about? Tell, but I wear a shirt. This is the <laughs> shirt I wear when I am uh, uh, on the, uh, when I work with Nathan backstage, it says Nate's mm -hmm. dad. Mm -hmm. Because if I don't, I'm the old man. People keep walking up and handing me their empty drinks. Can you give me a donut? Do you know what that is? Uh, without a toilet paper. Can you get take care of that, sir? I, I'm on the show. <laughs> so I finally have to put it. I wear I had this jacket made uh so that I could let everybody know who I am. But uh 
my son has been doing comedy for a long, long time. Mm. And uh, he's been on the Tonight Show 14 times. And he has uh, like four shows on Netflix. He's, we're filming another one. And I, I keep saying we like I am. Uh, but he talks about me. So I'm in a lot yes. of it and stuff. But his first comedy album was yelled at by a clown, which oh, I think wow. is the greatest comedy album name ever <laughs> of all time comedy albums. And Jim, Jimmy Fallon saw the name and fell in love with him just for the name. He said, anybody that would have a name of that has to be funny. And Fallon came and saw him, loved my son. And uh, he, he, Nathan's one of Nathan's biggest fans. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, now Nathan tours all over the world he's, he, and uh, all over the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, about anywhere from minimum of 1,500 all the way up to 6,000, 6,500 seats. He's done a couple of arenas and stuff. Uh, he just did an arena with Lee and Morgan not long ago. Yeah. Him, him and Jeff Foxworthy shared one. And, and uh, but uh, so, I mean, he's he's very funny. He's he's everything this podcast stands for. He's clean. Mm-hmm. He's, he's uh, he, he can be funny without that. He always says he did shows thinking that his mom and dad was in the audience. And there was a lot of times mm-hmm. we were. We didn't tell him. <laughs> And if yes. he said one, if he'd have got dirty, his mother would have jerked him off that stage and took him home. I guarantee it. Yeah. No, 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 no. You get off. You're not doing this. So, but he just said he always kind of went out with that in it. So he's been really good. And now that I, I've kind of just retired from doing my show, I'm getting too old. Mm-hmm. And uh, get some. So I'm going to, me and Jason, really? Jason, I talk about this. We're, we're just going to do some churches. And then we're going to, and I'm just going to open for Nate. And do that fifteen minutes. Nice, make more money than I've ever made during my whole life. <laughs> yes, that's just that's so crazy. I will say this: I I've never had the pleasure of meeting Nate, um, but I've got you know a lot of friends that are Nashville comedians, and um, both Nate and Stephen. Uh, I I I met their reputation before I met them. Like I I already knew about them because people had nothing but kind things to say about them. And when comedians say nice things about comedians, it's such that. a, com- yeah, it's such a competitive area, but, but really um, Nate has that, he has that reputation of being one of the nicest people in comedy. And he definitely had an amazing father figure and he will tell you that. And he does say that. And I, and I think the two of you are each other's biggest fans and it's been really awesome to see both of your journeys blessed in this full circle, you know, cause Nate got to grow up watching his dad, you know, be this performer and eventually yeah. Nate did the same, but at the same caliber of um, how he carries himself in a way that does not, it honors his, his earthly father, but his heavenly father as well. And Very and much. he doesn't go out beating people with a Bible and he's, and he's on these secular platforms with late night talk shows that don't always, you know, they're not always into uh, the Christian, you know, culture and who we are and, and, and how we believe, but he's, he's that guy that you just There's know, you just see it right in. now. And I just saw today because he was on Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. last week he's been on there twice a couple of times but he was on as a guest and they were talking about certain things and you know it can be un f word every other yes, word yeah and stuff and nathan brought up the chosen mm-hmm. and they were talking about you know about how hollywood is you know woke all this nathan goes just do what the chosen does mm-hmm. and uh the guy go and joe goes what's the chosen never heard of it mm-hmm. and so they had about a 20 minute talk about that and it, it is blown this i just saw it's got 
like several two three hundred two mil I mean two million something views wow. of this that conversation of him explaining uh chosen wow. to somebody yeah. who's never heard of it and never heard of a you know even that of, of a show like that being possible and then to be that great you know mm -hmm. to have that many downloads like 200 million downloads or something yeah. of season one of that so it was good so nathan i mean god has blessed him there's no doubt he's blessed our family and and uh so but for all the rest of you you can go look up friday magazine i think it's a july yeah. august he's it's a, a great he's article. on the cover and a very big article about a whole him and our family it is a great article and it's is well he, it's well deserved the um you know I mean, I know this is a we're we're here to talk about comedy, but if you want to talk, if you if you know anything about the Bible, if you if you've been around church, if you understand any of this, you you've heard the stories about how um, the the father, you've got the blessing that can be passed down to the son. Yes. Can be, yeah. the same, they also say that about a curse that, you know, yes. the whole idea is that, you know, I've known Stephen for a long time. Stephen stands up for his views a hundred percent, and he is he is ready to he is ready to witness, but at a moment's notice. But also, he just he just lives by a certain he just has a certain code mm. that uh, his belief, his faith, and he lives it out every day. And I, I I think that you could I think that you could look at the situation and you could say it 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 the the genesis of of the bargatze success you could say that it started with stephen and then stephen's faith that has mm -hmm. gone on to bless his his um uh children so yeah. well i tell you that'd be an interesting topic to talk about some what i because we're i'm not approved and neither nathan can handle way better than me but i uh I've been asked to do some nights and start, you know, now because of the success of Nathan, I've been asked to go back to comedy clubs. Oh, yeah. More and more clubs ask me to do it all the time. And sometimes you get, I, I've gone back some and got put on shows that I'm very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. uh, more that, and, I, and, I, and again, for all of the people, I'm not better than you. No. I'm not in that, but I got certain people that will come out to see me and, uh, and it just happened to Nathan and like Bob Saget, bless his heart, he was really nice to us, but his act was was filthy. Yeah, yeah. And the first time when Nathan came, and we'd never seen Bob Haggett, uh, Saget, 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 Saget. TV, and uh, so we that's who we went to go see. Mm -hmm. that guy, he, he's not there, mm -mm. The other guy, but Nathan's fans came, all Nathan's people came out. We're all really proud for Nathan. There's Nathan warming up for him, then out comes this guy. Oh my mm -hmm. god. Then I hated it, but I told my wife, I go, I can't, I can't, I can't stay here. And, uh, and again, it's not that I'm better than you. And it's like, even when I, when I do think some of these comedy clubs today and some of the people are so filthy and just, they think it's funny, it's real comedy and stuff that I just, I, this is what I think. If my people that like me came or people from all my whole church, if they were all yes. here tonight, how would I feel? Yeah, I would feel embarrassed mm -hmm. to be on this show. Yeah, I, I don't know what's going to happen to him there. It's yeah, too, I think at that I'm point, not so good. I walk out. I'm not saying that. Right, right. I well, I think at that point though, it's not about like you're trying to elevate yourself. You you're trying to protect the people that you love and care about and right. that have been supportive mm -hmm. to you. Because I've had yeah. that situation, especially during when things were shut down and people were doing. Um, 
you know, the online shows and things like that. I, I somehow I got on somebody's radar and they were, you know, uh, recommending me for different shows and things like that. And, and, you know, I eventually had to tell them, I'm like, I, I appreciate you inviting me on and I don't, you know, don't mind working with you guys, but you have to understand that I'm not going to promote your show. I can't share that because, you know, the, the lady who teaches the kindergarten Sunday school class loves me, supports me and tries to watch everything that I do. And that's not fair to people like that who are following me. Right. I want to protect them from that. I, so I totally get that. Yeah. That's so good for me. And, uh, I don't, I don't think Jason has an atheist, uh, an ethnic bone in his body, but no, no, that's what we heard. Well, speaking (laughs) of reputations, that's what I had heard about Jason before I met him. Well, no, Jason. So obviously Stephen has been, Stephen has been a, a laugh support for you clearly in the conversation that we're having, um, but I, but I wonder if there's anybody else that you would want to mention or someone else that's been along your journey. You better not, right? I'm right here. <laughs> <laughs> that was maybe it was maybe better than Stephen. You know what I mean? That it was someone that was you know no. But it, maybe if there's anybody else you wanted to talk to us about today. So um, it, it's really as far as just supporting my journey into the entertainment world. I, I come from a family that's very traditional sort of middle-class family. We, we don't have any entertainers or entertainment background. And so while not specific to laughter or comedy, my parents and my family have always been incredibly supportive, coming out to see everything, financial support, things that that really you have to have while you're trying to you know find your path and figure out the business side of things as far as um as far as comedy and and, and certainly friends as well and as far as comedy goes um really my journey into comedy came super late my journey into performing started as a teenager i studied theater in college i got into magic i worked for a magician named brett daniels who had a giant magic show multi-million dollar illusion show in a casino and i worked for him for several years i worked backstage and i learned that side of things mm. um but and then i and then little by little i started doing my own thing uh but even then it was it took me years before i really started embracing um any sort of comedy element to that and so you know i have some friends that are funny and we i just i think being around the people that i'm around uh influence the type because I, I had to try a lot of different types of comedy mm-hmm. so i can incorporate so i can take magic and incorporate situational humor you know i do mm-hmm. some magic tricks that happen that the humor is all about the situation that we're in and the person who's being involved but then i tried some things i you know i went out brian bates was uh doing an open mic at uh at a, at a hotel and i went out to several of those open mics just trying to figure out Okay, how how can I be funny? How can I be funny if I'm not doing magic tricks? And Nate mm-hmm. as well. Nate gave me several opportunities to open up. Nate Bargatze said, hey, you know, I'm doing a show at Zany's. Why don't you come and do 10 minutes? And I nice. said, do you want me to do magic or do you want me to do comedy? He said, do whatever you want. Well, I mean, that's amazing. That's an amazing opportunity right there. You know, you're going to stand in front of an audience who's excited for, who's excited and they've come to laugh. So, Stephen helped me write a lot of material. So, the, I mean, mm. the, the it's mostly the Bargatze clan that has supported <laughs> me. But there is there is a Nashville, Middle Tennessee, some folks that are, are affiliated and associated that know 
Nate and Steven. And then there are also some magicians that mm -hmm. I know and just personal mm -hmm. friends who are very funny people from, you know, my friend Bart and, you know, Kevin and some of these guys seeing different people with different types of sense of humor. You just have to learn as much as you can. And then at some point you got to put it in front of the audience and mm -hmm. just see what happens. Mm -hmm. Wow. I want to, I got an answer to this. I want to hear, I want to hear from you two ladies first. Uh, we're going with Michelle first. And mm -hmm. Can you teach, can, uh, pretend you're not Rick Roberts, but can you teach somebody to be funny? Um, I can, um, well, I used to have an after school comedy club for kids. I worked in an elementary school. So can I teach? I can, no, you can't teach someone to be funny. I don't think so. You can teach, um, the kids, like I helped them learn how to know when to laugh because at kindergartners through second graders, they don't know when to laugh. So um, they don't, you know, unless you're, unless you fall down, they think, oh, that's funny. So we, we funny. had, yeah. So <laughs> like we, we had to add like a rimshot kid, you know, we would, cause we would do these one liners and things. And so we'd have to, and then after they heard the, then they laughed. So it was like, we had to train them how to laugh, when to laugh kind of a thing. And um, the kids really loved the interactive kind of things. So yes, you can teach someone to be funnier you know, where you get your word placement or things like that. But I don't think you can actually teach the essence of, of funny. But I, I do know that through a lot of counseling, um, people can at least get their joy back, which is kind of close, <laughs> kind of close to, um, so uh, my office hours are, um, no, <laughs> $300 an hour if you want to, no, get your joy back today. Uh, <laughs> Steven's checking his watch at this point, Michelle. No, no. He just, <laughs> do, do, you, I know that my medicine is ready at Publix. It's all I'm going to do. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> That's, all I do now is doctor's appointments, chiropractors, and pick up medicine. Yes, okay, yes. So well, Stephen, before I answer the question, I need to know what the right answer is because that's how no, I No, 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 Can you I got teach it written down here. Jason, it's all written right here, so it's not much. No. <laughs> yeah, I think I For think you can dollars. I think you can teach someone how to formulate a joke. I think you can teach them, you know, uh, different tips and techniques to comedy, but I don't I think that there's just something in somebody that causes them to be the funny person in the room. My my little brother is one of the most hilarious people on the planet and nobody set him down and told him how to tell a story and how to animate his, you know, expressions and all of those things. He was born funny. Can he get on stage and do what I do right now? Absolutely not. He's got to learn how to harness it and, and, and those type of things. But if he ever did, I can tell you he'll be 10 times as funny as I'll ever be because that's just in him. So I, I believe you can teach, as Michelle said, teach somebody to be funnier. But I do believe that that, that is literally a gift that people have. And it's how they, how they learn to use it is whether they're successful with it, is my answer. Yep. So what's the right answer? Oh, what do you say, Lincoln? I think my you can teach right. somebody, I think you can help somebody strengthen their comedy muscles. Like you <laughs> can learn to view the world a certain way. But that, like, I, I genuinely look at it like a muscle that, ha like, like that is something that I have had to strengthen 
through exercises and whatnot. Mm -hmm. uh, and what, interestingly enough, I would talk to people like my mom and she would say, Jason, you are funny. You've always been funny. I never thought I was funny. But then when she said that, it made me think, well, I guess in like conversations mm -hmm. with my family, I have comedic and I, I, you know, I can, I can, I'm funny in certain settings Yes. and you just have to learn how to strengthen those muscles. And then you also have to learn how to trust them. And so I think you, I think you can, but, but I also believe that comedy and, and people who are naturally funny, it very well may, it, I, now I'm not saying that it can't be that they weren't created that way, but I, I do think that it can also be um, a byproduct of situation. Like mm. if you, if you do something with your family and you get a great reaction and then you mm. learn, okay, that gets a laugh. And then uh -huh. all of a sudden you try to recreate that. And if you, once you learn how that works, you're off to the races. So mm -hmm. to an extent, I think that you can learn how to be funny, but it, but I mean, it's, you know, was Nate, yeah. was Nate funny? Nate, I mean, y'all are talking, y'all hitting all right on everything. The thing I thought of the other day that I add to this, but Nathan's, he, he tells you, he'll tell a story. I've already told it a hundred times. Uh, that when he was in high school, he went out with a bunch of his high school friends and he told a story. And that these are all of his friends and everybody he went to school with. And they every, the whole they were crying. Everybody's mm -hmm. laughing. And then the next weekend, they're at another party somewhere else. He doesn't know anybody, but mm -hmm. maybe two people. And one of his friends goes, you've got to tell that story to these people. And he goes, oh, this is great. He already knows mm -hmm. it. Is. Mm -hmm. And he said he died. It was yep. like a death. And uh, so, I mean, he it was all so much there. It wasn't the story didn't change. It, it didn't. It was. It was. So what was it? You know, right. what is it that? So it was on how to tell that story. So you had that. He, I remember Nathan as a little kid, and I've shared the story several times. Uh, he was uh, six years old. I got him a joke book for Christmas, and he came, and he was laughing so hard at this joke. I mean, he was crying. He was trying to go, Dad, wait. He was trying to tell, read it to me. And the joke was, <laughs> it had a bowl of soup, it had a, uh, and it said, waiter, waiter, there's a fly in my soup. And the waiter says, don't worry, the spider on the spoon will get it. <laughs> That's the joke that tore Nathan up. Six years old. Nathan goes, Dad, you get why it's funny? Because you're not supposed to have a fly on your spot on your spoon. He said, that could be worse than the fly in your And that's what makes that thing funny. That's why we yes. like it. And I don't just I honestly can remember going, what kid would have to try to know yeah. why that's funny without just laughing at it? Mm -hmm. Because it's funny. And uh, but that was our Nathan was always the kid that would stand by a sign that said, Beware of snakes, and he He'd make the expression like he was scared, or uh, you know, I mean, he was always yes. that kid. But yes. he's very funny because when he performs, he's not animated at all. He's no, very, that's true. Yeah, he's very still and everything. And uh, well, I am very much all over. I'm slapped. Mm -hmm. Well, he is so far from that. But uh, I, I, I think I do hear people say, "Well, you I always hear people say we don't can't teach comedy." Right. And uh, but here's what I think: all comedy is taught. Mm -hmm. by our audience. 
can teach us? Why do we listen to them? If you can't teach them, why do we listen to them so much? We we can go tell a joke one night, and if they don't laugh, but we a lot of us will just throw it in the trash. We go, mm. well, they said it wasn't funny, and we give up on it or whatever it is. So we do get taught all the time. I mean, we're learning by getting up there, doing it, doing it, doing it. And eventually, you're going to, I mean, if you caught up there every night for two years, I promise you, you're going to have a strong 20 minutes of comedy because mm-hmm. the audience would have taught you what's funny. Mm-hmm. You know what I was thinking, too, though, is like, as you were saying that, I'm thinking about Nate being your son and he was watching you, right? Mm-hmm. And then now that I think about it, I say, oh, well, you know, I was the I was the girl who was making everybody laugh. I also used humor as a, you know, as a weapon because I grew up in low income housing and government housing with a daddy named Hot Dog. Our power was (laughs) shut off all the time. We were constantly being evicted from places. We lived two doors down from a strip club like I had. I had to be funny. It was my defense mechanism or die. One of the two. But my dad. Yes. Or funny or die. My dad is one of the funniest people that I know, like his comedic timing. And I would see, and obviously not a clean comic, but he, I would watch him and I would listen to him and his timing was impeccable just to, to, to be able to riff the way he did and tell stories the way he, you know, that he could. I, I think that, that, yeah, I, I was not taught comedy, but I was learning comedy at a young age and, yeah. and my family used comedy as, um, well, Michelle, Michelle and I have just done an episode about how much we laughed at my mother's funeral in May. Like, <laughs> to, oh, you know, most people like that seems crazy and inappropriate, but that's literally like my mom had the best sense of humor. And we used comedy as a survival technique of, you know, finding the humor in it. Otherwise, it, it we would all have, you know, been horribly depressed, but we just found a way to find right. the obscure and laugh and those kind of things. So I say, oh, my brother was naturally funny, but actually my, my brother learned it by watching my dad, Yeah, you know, much. and I'm sure my dad, my dad, actually, my dad had an uncle, my uncle Ben, who was hilarious. And my dad, I'm sure my dad learned a lot of that from him too. Cool. So my, my dad, he was a very shy kid growing up because he had like a space in his teeth like some of his teeth never grew in so he'd have a bridge and things like that so he was a very shy guy and he read um or heard uh del carnegie i think talk about um you know how the art of conversation and things like that so he went and he memorized jokes so that way when he was at a function um you know he would be able he'd have something to say and so mm-hmm. that's how he, you know, kind of mm-hmm. cut his teeth um, on comedy. And so growing up. I see what I you always, did there, Michelle. That was yeah. great. We all, heard, we all got it. <laughs> Slow that in there. So growing up, watching my dad, who's an engineer and a salesman, just cut up with his friends and, and just, you know, he's always funny. My whole family is funny. Like um, our cousin, Jimmy Leonardo, he is like Jim Carrey, like identical like if, if he wanted to go into comedy he could have and just the home videos that we have and things like that mm-hmm. but my dad spent the time to memorize jokes and so he always had a good comeback and then these jokes he it didn't just stay with him he started writing his own unbeknownst to himself that he was writing his own because it was out of his own conversations you know on a sales trip or things like that so mm-hmm. it, it's I didn't really necessarily learn comedy from my dad, but I can definitely say my dad is funny and I would lived in a very comedic family, mm. not like June. 
We, we had <laughs> no. an island. We yeah. had an island. We Michelle, had yeah, yeah. I'm working on a bit right now Never. about like that's not poor. Michelle's family literally owned an island in Indiana. Go figure. Yeah, the big one. Yeah, the big like, island. What are you? What are you talking? I had a house. My bedroom. My bedroom when I was in high school had icicles inside the bedroom walls. Like oh that's that's like I was that's, frozen that's cool. before Elsa was ever on the television screen. Yeah. I was like the. White I thought trash everybody Elsa. had that's an island. I'm sorry. I didn't know. I didn't know. <laughs> it was. Well, we had to use an outhouse. An outhouse. So. On your no. island, Michelle, an outhouse yeah. on the <laughs> island. Moving on. So Stephen, no water. water. <laughs> Stephen, we interviewed um, Ken Davis. I'm not sure if you know who Ken Davis is, but we interviewed him a couple of episodes back, and it immediately I, I, I talked to him about you, and it made me think about you. Is um, he was in class, and uh, he the teacher was doing some sort of lesson and he was kind of insecure and he shouted something out. He was not athletic. He said he was kind of that guy that always felt kind of on the outside. He shouted something out inappropriate, but hilarious. The whole class laughs. The teacher tells him he's staying. She's calling his mother. He's waiting. He's waiting. He's waiting. Mom shows up. And basically when mom and dad come in, she says, I'm so glad both of you could be here because I wanted to tell you how amazing your son is. I wanted you to know that he has this gift in him of entertainment and creativity. And so I'm going to sign him up for the speech club. And I just needed you guys here to sign the documents. How awful. And this teacher changed the direction of his life. And I know you mentioned uh, getting an award and talking about spending time in school and the school system. And so before we close out, I would love for you to share if you don't mind, because Michelle hasn't heard your story. It's a, it, it, you know, yeah. about just kind of, I, I know that, that you have a heart for, for teachers and the school community and all of that. So I really feel like that's definitely um, your story yeah. started with some support for sure. Yeah. Well, uh, when we go to churches and stuff, my testimony is the one where people go, well, that guy needed Jesus. And, uh, <laughs> and Jason's is he had well, that's why we're always we've been good together so much. Because Jason uh grew up in a a very Christian family and everything in it, you know. And and it's it's a shame in the way we teach our world today. Today you go to a youth conference and you know, there'll be ten guys, you know, I killed somebody, I used to do drugs, I used yes. to and then you only you don't never get to hear from the guys that do what they what we want them to do. Let's hear from the guys who's lived the life the whole time clean. I was I was the worst, and uh, and stuff. And when we get to heaven, it's not going to be us that's going to we're going to be all clapping for people like the, Jason and all yeah. the ones that's lived their life the whole time that didn't have to go through all the crap mm. I had to go through. But I, I had very dysfunctional home, and. Uh, I was bitten by a dog when I was young, and that's why I have a speech impediment. Uh, I was put in special ed classes. I was called retard and all the stupid names. Uh, I was left-handed. Back then, we wouldn't let you be left-handed. Mm -hmm. They used to beat us for using our left hand. So I thought I was a terrible athlete. I, I When I talked to teachers, I had, uh, I had a coach. My first time I ever went into a regular class that didn't have a nun as a teacher, and uh, he asked me to throw a ball. Special ed classes got in the gym a little earlier than the other classes. And special ed classes, again, I'm old. They were there was no special needs at that time. It was resource. It was alternative school. It was, mm -hmm. you know, just kids that needed help. And so I was placed in the second grade in special ed and stayed there. And uh, but uh, 
So I walked in and the teacher said, throw me a ball. They were cleaning up. And I thought it was a trick. I thought he was going to hit me. So I, I threw it with the long hand. And right when I was throwing it, the other classes were coming in. So we had PE together. And right in front of everybody, he goes, man, you feel like a girl. Gosh, uh, I'm a retard. I felt like a girl. I thought all of this. And and uh, later on, um, I mean, I just was a lot of abuse in our family and my family and, and stuff. I had a lot of trouble. And uh, but like I was, uh, I, this is what my comedy was. My sister was going to a new high school. And she, I got a sister when she sleeps, she doesn't wake up, Cindy. And I, she's really hard to wake up. Mm. So I used to move her at night. I'd pick her up and go put her in different rooms every night. She thought she was a sleepwalker. And I used to put her outside every once in a while. I didn't know her way, but she, I woke up outside really. And, uh, so uh, that was my comedy go. But then uh, I put nair in her eyebrows. And it was like when she went to a new class. Oh. Though you don't know, this works really well. Oh. When she got up and washed her face, her eyebrows fell off, and she oh. thought she had cancer. Oh, gosh. <laughs> my mother drew eyebrows on her and made her go to school her first day as a prostitute. Because <laughs> <laughs> yes. I thought it was funny. Well, my dad took the nair, the tube, and he rubbed it in my hair. Oh. And whatever was left. So my it didn't it wasn't uniform. So it's just like big humps fell out. So I had just like little patches. I had to go get a toboggan. But luckily the monkeys were popular. So one of those wore a toboggan. So I just would look like I said that was my favorite monkey. And I was trying. So I wore a toboggan, but I didn't cut my hair for about four years. And so after that, I said they're not making me cut my hair. I had really, really long hair. So I had another teacher. That they used to come in special ed and they used to, we used to have to pick up rocks off the football field. We used to have to uh, clean up the cafeteria and, you know, do all this stuff. Method. So she came in there and she said, I need people in the play, high school play, hippies. It's about, it was about like uh, Woodstock. And all you got to do is walk around and just be background. And we all had really long hair. So I'm wearing this play. And they needed a kid to dance around and tell a joke in his underwear. And none of the cool kids do it, would do it. So this teacher looked at me and said, you know what? You're funny. And like Jason, no one's ever told me I was funny. Mm. And uh, she said, would you dance around in your underwear? And I said, you bet I will. <laughs> We've got to say this joke. And back, back then I was stuttering. And uh, I said, I, I'm not telling you a joke. But I'll dance in your my underwear. So she figured it out. I got in a tent with this other guy. They would pull the string off. It looked like the wind blew the tent over. And then he he would get up and tell the joke like, and I would dance around. Okay, now today I know it wouldn't look good to blow up and two guys and one in their underwear in the tent. <laughs> back then it was funny. <laughs> but, uh, but I danced around, and, and that's when I became the funny guy. Mm. That's when all of a sudden, was, oh, you're that guy that danced around and did everything. And, and I got my picture in the yearbook and uh, never had my picture. Most of the time, my picture said proof, you know. Like, <laughs> yes, yes. Those photos. But uh, so I never had anything like that. So um, I, I think it would, I, I relate so much to June. And I think it's I, one of my favorite things. I saw some lady on uh, Johnny Carson's, how old it was, uh, but that did a comedy movie about, and she was very funny. 
And he said, you're very, very funny. You should be a comedian. And her answer was, no, I grew up in a normal family. Mm. And, uh, and you know how true that is. Because I just yes. remember going, how hard it is to be funny when you grow up in a normal family. Yeah. People like us that we have to struggle. We like we had to learn. You had to be funny in my family. Mm-hmm. And we I never we never laughed so hard in, in my life as it was at my mom's funeral. And that did happen. She died of COVID, not you know, in 2020. But uh some lady we never met showed up and said, My mom always your mom always wanted me to sing at her funeral. And my sister goes, Sure. And we're going, What? And my 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 sister goes, Sing two songs. <laughs> yes. Yes. And uh, it was like, oh my God. And then when she sang her first song, it was better than we thought. Uh, my brother in law started clapping. So everybody stood up and clapped. It's a funeral. Yes. We were yeah. To this lady. So I'm going, I'm going, I'm up there because I'm saying, like, no, no, we don't clap at a funeral. <laughs> my other, so now we all know we can't clap. So sang a second song, and my brother-in-law, his his daughter, she stood up clapping. She's the only one, because she didn't see me say no. So she stood up like now she's okay. <laughs> and it was, and uh, it was. Uh, so I had I got asked to speak, and it was my anniversary. Mom, we she got buried on my uh, anniversary, fortieth anniversary. So I told my wife, I go, honey, I'm sorry I didn't have time to go out and get you anything today. But mm-hmm. something tells me you're going to get some really nice flower arrangements later on. <laughs> yes. Yes. The only other movie we would all go, oh, that was great. Oh, my God. Oh, man. You know, I think that's a time though. Like literally, that's that's the time that we we need to laugh the most. My now, my dad when mom passed away, just within a few hours, we're standing in the parking lot and is straight faced because my sister is a lot more, um, we'll say, reserved than I am. And he looks at my sister and he goes, "I know the song I want." And and Bobby goes, "Okay, Daddy, what do you want?" And he goes, I, "I'd really like to play Prop Me Up' by the Jukebox." <laughs> he did not break and my sister looked at me and I go I think that's pretty special <laughs> and then my dad's like okay fine but I do want something from Kenny Rogers and we're like okay okay well we could do but I'm telling you Stephen Michelle laughed at my mother's funeral in front of and cried and Michelle, cried yes so so Michelle drives all the way from Tulsa Oklahoma to come to my mother's funeral. Mom's, uh, her death was very unexpected. And her and her husband make the drive from Tulsa, Oklahoma to wow. right here in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Wow. They show up. She's now getting to meet my sister, Bobby Joe, and my brother, Dewey, and my blind cousin, Dina, who drives a car, oh my, and oh. my daddy hot dog, and like all of the people that people really question me whether they're real or not. Michelle got- They're Michelle, real. Yes, they're all real. And she goes, she's one of the last to come through the line, and she hugs my dad- and my dad looks at her and goes, well, I told him to bury her with her false teeth because I'm pretty sure she's going to be ready to chew my butt by the time I get up there. <laughs> this is during the funeral. And Michelle's laughing. No one can hear the joke but Michelle and my dad. And this is how my dad closes out the funeral is Michelle laughing hysterically at my mother's funeral. So I love, I absolutely uh... love the flower joke. You know, he did set it up earlier, though. I'm just letting you know that wasn't the first joke he told me there. 
earlier he was t- he was telling me all about how he he was trying to pay for the funeral with with the snh stamps like he just went into this whole routine of how how he's going to take care of everything that was happening so when we got up to say our you know our, our condolences and shake the hands i i went for a handshake he went for a hug and then told me this other stuff and i just i couldn't stop i just could yeah. not stop laughing at that point and then but it was a laugh i just started crying but that just... truly that truly is how he handled the, yeah. the fact that like my my family's my dad has has been impoverished my mom when she passed away there was no money for her funeral i don't know if you paid for a funeral lately but it costs a lot of money. Yeah. And and my dad shows up the next day and he's got Marlboro Miles and SNH stamps. And he's like, So I hear you guys accept uh Mar, you know, <laughs> like, because but truly it was just a padding for the fact that he knew there wasn't there wasn't there there was no money. My brother's a police officer. I'm not exactly the most successful comedian on the planet yet. We'll not see. Yet. And and my sister's a school teacher. So there was there was there was nothing there. But here's how God showed out and showed up. Um, right before the, uh, visitation began, the funeral director came in and, and said someone came in and, and laid down $8,000 Wow! to cover my mom's funeral. Now well, my I dad's life, tell anybody that I, did I know, I know. So now is my opportunity because it was anonymous, no. but, um, it was, it was totally anonymous except for, but, but they made, sure you think, uh, Nate. yeah, but the funeral director was like, but, but the guy wanted you to see that he signed the check, Stephen Bergazzi. And I was like, Oh, oh sweet. Yeah, okay. No. Thanks for yeah. sharing. <laughs> <laughs> now, this but poor it, guy that did that. We just want to say, no, you got all. We, no, for sure, hard. for sure. I but... invite it. Not that you get invited to funerals. But, uh, <laughs> we want to invite you to my mom's funeral. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we so would have. You're invited but... to mine. All right, just, it's an open invitation. There we I'll go. Try to get everybody to laugh. There yeah. it is. I, and please come to mine and tell some jokes about flowers. Well, I'll stick up on yours, Michelle, and put a little pig hat on you. For the person behind, <laughs> <laughs> the <person> behind me. <laughs> That's and now you know how my cat felt. <laughs> oh, and look at that. That's how we have to wrap this thing up. We went full circle. Stephen Bargatze with the callback to the cat with the piggy head. Hey, friends, I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode of the Laugh Support Podcast. We encourage you to check out Jason Michaels. His website is mysteriesandillusions.com. That's Jason Michaels at mysteriesandillusions.com. And then if you want to check out the amazing Stephen Bargatze, you can find him at Magic of Stephen. It's S T E P H E N dot com. Magic of dot com. If you would like to see the picture of Michelle's kitty cat and the pig head and, and all of that, make sure that you check us out on YouTube. You can also watch us on the Creative Motion Network on Roku TV and on Vimeo. And of course, you can listen to the Live Support podcast basically on all the major platforms Amazon, Apple, Audible. Spotify, Player FM, and others. So y'all, that's going to be it for this episode of Laugh Support Podcast. Stephen and Jason, we're going to kick you to the back for just a minute. Enjoy the snacks in the green room. Don't leave us though. We want to tell you a proper goodbye. And Michelle and I are going to close this thing out. Here's my magic trick. They're gone. (gasps) Whoa. (laughs) You have to have the glove. We should have asked about the gloves. No, I don't think, I don't think I saw either one of them wear the gloves. Michelle, Michelle. What a great interview. But also, are you going to give him his cat back? No, it's going to my son at college. Well, now, well, listen, now that you know how famous and successful this family is, I'd say 
for the right think, ransom, right? I'm I'm not going to go with ransom. I think it's more along the lines of um, cat support. Ooh. I think that they should do cat support. And um, so he is now eating five pounds of, of cat food each week. No, I have no idea. And prices have gone up. So yeah, so yeah, I think yeah, we'll work, yeah. we can work that out later. Well, y'all, thank you so much for listening to this episode <laughs> of Laugh Support. As always, I will tell you that Jesus and Junebug loves you. And Michelle, close us out, my friend. I just want to say thank you for listening and uh, have a wonderful, wonderful weekend or week, or month, or whenever you're listening to this. Or you guys Jason have a month. great day. Or Jason month. Enjoy your Jason months. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for Bye, listening.